Hi, and welcome to BoobTube, the podcast where smart women talk about what they're watching and not watching. I'm Sarah Whitus. I'm Amanda Toysher. Happy belated birthday, Sarah. Thank you. I had a birthday this week. Um, I didn't want to make a big deal out of it, really, because like... Except you did. I mean, I had a nice, I had a nice gathering, a nice party when I was in DC last week. The actual event, it was like the actual birthday. Yeah, like who cares about turning thirty three? It seems very. I mean, Jesus. (laughs) Jesus did. He didn't at the time, probably. It's only he didn't know that this would be his last his last year on Earth. Mine. I literally just crossed myself. He didn't know. We assigned it a lot of significance, you know, in the in the big Jesus rearview mirror. But I did order Chinese food and bought myself an ice cream cake. Um, so I feel like, what I mean, what else do you need? I don't. That's great. Yeah, I I it was really good. Tried a new Chinese place. It was very delicious. The ice cream cake perfection. There's nothing better than an ice cream cake to me. It's like. I uh-huh. all of the best because I'm just gonna any pastry it, dessert. Did it actually have cake in it though? Yes. Okay. And it had. It I had, don't do Carvel like. No, like, no, no, no. Where it's like just a solid block of ice it's cream, just and they're like, it's ice a cake. cream. That's not yeah. actually ice cream cake. No, this was good. It was about a twenty-five Might as well call it ice cream wheel. <laughs> it was like a one to four ratio, not one to four. It was like a, I mean, like it was like twenty-five percent cake to seventy-five percent ice cream, probably. Um, but the cake right. itself was good, and it had a chocolate shell on the outside, like the chocolate oh. hard shell, like a la- like a little layer of chocolate hard shell. It was really good. Um, Interesting. So that was like all I really wanted for my birthday, and I got it. And you yeah. got it. Yeah. yeah, we're recording in the bright light of day today, so it's <laughs> it's kind of disconcerting. I think. Speaking of vampires, I watched the first episode <laughs> of What We Do in the Shadows. So I a lot of. Interesting. I was. I did not know this was a thing until it was advertised to me. Is it on Hulu? It's FX. Oh, it's on FX. But I don't. I right. don't know what. I don't know how to watch it online. I just yeah. watched it with their free trial or whatever. Yeah. I think it has two episodes now, but I've only seen the first one. Um, I no one has I don't been. Know if it'll be streaming anywhere. I. I'm, I'm curious about it because I actually just watched the movie for the first time very recently. Wait, what? I know. I know you love this movie. I know, and I had not seen How it. How is and that it's, possible? It's on Prime. Um, yeah, it's been and, on Prime for like two years. Yeah, so I downloaded it and watched it on a flight recently, and I did really enjoy it. For I think this, I feel like this movie is very beloved, so I, I'm kind of surprised I haven't seen anyone talking about the TV adaptation. That's so strange. Um, I know. So what did you think of the first episode? I liked it. I thought it was really funny. Um, It's not any of the same cast, is it? It's not the same cast, but Jemaine Clement and Taika Waititi are both executive producers. Um, Yeah. And they had both been, like, approached about doing it. But, like, at that time, um, I think Taika was doing Thor and Jemaine maybe was doing something else or whatever. Jemaine might have directed it. I can't really remember. But, like... Mm -hmm. um, but they're not in it, but Matthew Barry is, um, mm-hmm. and you might know, well, you would know Matthew, Matthew Barry from uh, Garth Marenghi's Dark Plays, or uh, yes. Crowd, and like all that yep. stuff. But, um, so he plays Laszlo, and there's um, Nadia, another vampire, and um, uh, Nandor, who is kind of like the 
the Taika character from the movie, but it's um, really funny. It takes place in, in the movie, it takes place in Wellington, New Zealand. Mm -hmm. Um, This place, this takes place in Staten Island. (laughs) Okay, interesting. (laughs) Which is really funny. And they basically at one point is just like, they're visited by the Baron of something. And he, they like, they're like, oh, he's big on like vampires taking over the world. And he's going to want to know what we've been up to. And they're like, well, we just got off the boat 150 years ago in Staten Island, and we've kind of just stayed here. <laughs> the Baron never leaves the old country. Has he told us what the purpose of his visit is? Uh, no, the Baron is a firm believer that vampires should rule the world. I think the main purpose for the Baron's visit is to find out whether we as vampires have populated America. But as you can see, the place is fucking massive. I really like that. Yeah. So. <laughs> and it's such a, like, it's such a bleak, like, you have, like, unlimited, you know, life. <laughs> I know. And, it's like and funny. you just it's like, choose to stay in Staten Island. Like, like of, all the, of all the boroughs. And I know. Then, Don't even go to Manhattan. Like. Yeah. It's just, like, really funny. And I think it was, part of it was just, like, it's funny. And then also filming wise, it's easier for like to make anything look like Staten Island. You sure. Make anything look like, um, you know, Manhattan. But right. Like, right. <laughs> but, but it's really funny. So I recommend it. I've only seen the first episode. I think, like I said, there's two out now, but, um, but the cast is really funny. Um, there's like familiars and there's, you know, that it's pretty much the same thing as the movie, just yeah. like <clears throat> different vampires. Mm-hmm. And like the jokes are kind of the same. Oh, no, but there's this one thing that's hilarious in it that, like, I'm going to think about, like, all through every day is um, one of their roommates, they actually live with a fourth vampire, but he just, he just looks like, like, he's like a bald guy in, like, a, like, short sleeve, uh, button-down shirt kind of dude, and Mm -hmm. he is, oh, shoot, what is his name? But he's an energy vampire, and, which basically he just is, like, an office worker, and he... He, he's like, we're the most common ones. You've seen us before. And he, like, just sucks the energy. He'll either tell you a long story or he also can <laughs> induce rage by, like, they show him in the office and he's sharpening a pencil but just going, like, <laughs> and, like, you see all of his coworkers around him just being, like, oh, my God. Really annoyed then, with <laughs> Yeah, and then you see him, like, telling a story to, like, one of his coworkers and the coworkers, like, literally falling asleep at his desk. And I'm like, oh, my God, I know people like that energy vampires (laughs) um and so it's like really actually hilarious because like everyone's just like we we know who that is (laughs) that's really funny so that's like a new joke that's like not in the movie at all that's really good yeah i i i'm kind of curious that's right because i was sort of flipping through the fx app the other day um and i had no idea that that was even a show i had not heard anything about it um yeah so I might check that out as well. I, I love and there, that. And it's like half hour episodes. So yeah, it's, they're like know, nice and short. Like they go down, they go down easy. Um, yeah. But it's really funny. Yeah. But yeah, the energy vampire thing, I'm like, that is brilliant. Because I can name people like that where it's just like, how are you doing this to me? How are you just like... I feel so drained so after spending strength. any time with you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. my gosh. Yeah. So, anyway, that's really fun. But, um, anyway, so, yes, watch that. Um, what did you watch? Um, I spent most of my TV allotment. 
I kind of made a weird choice. I had a lot of stuff I wanted to catch up on, but I wound up watching um, The Case Against Adnan Syed on HBO, um, which I... So I you never know, listened to Serial. Okay, so you can the definitely... The third season is really good. It involves the Cleveland... The Cleveland, ju- right, justice system. Yeah, I've been listening I, to that, but yeah, keep going. Tom Sorry. listened to that, and I kind of ducked in and out of it. I've been meaning to return to it and, and listen to it more thoroughly. I mean, I think that, you know, I definitely got sucked into Serial when it was originally on. Um, and I think I actually listened to it again uh, after that because I was on a long car trip with my parents at some point, and my dad listen wanted to listen to it so then I think I I think I listened to it twice um you know I was unsure that there was a need for this because it seemed like we covered a lot of ground with Serial um I mean I think everyone's kind of familiar with the premise of Serial which is that so it's a uh you know Sarah Koenig um originally from This American Life she kind of found out about this unsolved I mean it's wasn't unsolved. It was a murder uh, of this 15-year-old, 16-year-old girl um, in Baltimore in 1999. Heyman Lee and her ex-boyfriend was arrested for her murder, Adnan Syed, and he was sentenced to 30 years in prison, uh, I think plus life, actually. So I think he was basically sentenced to 30 years, life plus 30 years. Um, And he's been in prison ever since. Uh, Sarah Koenig... I forget how she, I can't remember if it was Rabia Chowdhury who pitched the, the the idea to her. I forget how she came across the the case initially, but Rabia is Adnan's cousin who's convinced of his innocence. And so Sarah Koenig winds up doing this sort of, you know, this investigation into the case and uncovers a lot of, a lot, you know, her investigation with her co-producer was pretty, good for people who are not maybe professional investigators, I think, you know, like they wind up uncovering a lot of stuff. Most crucially, um, the like conflicting testimonies of uh, Jay Wilds, who's Adnan's friend who says that he helped Adnan bury this woman's body. Um, A lot of evidence about cell phone tower records. And then also Sarah Koenig comes up with a woman who was friends with Adnan and Hay says that she basically has a was has a an alibi for him and tried to communicate this to both Adnan's lawyers and the state of Maryland's lawyers back way back when after Adnan had been um, had been convicted and was totally ignored um, and then and then Sarah Koenig winds up finding her and reaching out to her and and uh, you know this is winds up being a pretty crucial piece of evidence. So based a lot on the evidence that was uncovered through serial, you know, Adnan's team files new appeals, blah, blah, blah. They get to the point where, um, they are, uh, they get to the point where the state of Maryland grants a new trial for him. But then, uh, you know, but then the prosecutors appeal that decision. And that was like two years ago. So that's kind of like where this was. And I think the, sh- the, the show started going into production, I think around like 2016 or something. So, I mean, I was like unsure of like what the point of this was. The, the title certainly makes it seem like it is um, presenting evidence against Adnan. But I think the title actually 
um, really just kind of refers to like the sort of legal, you know, uh, sort of people versus Adnan Syed mm-hmm. kind of. So, I mean, I the, the problem with Serial was that Sarah Koenig was pretty roundly criticized for a not. Right, I remember that. Yeah, I mean, the woman who's killed, it's obviously a horrible story. And, and Hayes' family, um, understandably, declines to, to be involved with Serial. Obviously, Adnan's family has a lot more, um, you know, has a lot more uh, incentive to be involved so that they can kind of present their, you know, I like their evidence of why um, he's innocent. And in fact, the the backbone of Serial is interviews that Sarah Koenig does with Adnan over the phone from jail. So he really winds up dominating a lot of that narrative. But, yeah. you know, Hay doesn't have a voice, He's you know, in that show because her family doesn't, want to participate and and Sarah Koenig winds up more or less kind of ignoring that beyond presenting the idea that Hay was a person uh, and that was it and there just wasn't a lot of other context and this documentary which is four episodes um, fills in a lot of those gaps which I think is really interesting maybe the most interesting context being that these are two immigrant families Um, Heyman Lee family is is Korean immigrants um you know her parents don't even really speak English um and and then Adnan's family are Pakistani Muslims um his parents are I think have been in the U.S. they've they've assimilated more you know than Hay's parents had and Mm -hmm. um and so this is like context that's presented the director, Amy Berg, gets a hold of these diaries that belong to Hay, and they're used a lot, especially in the first two episodes, to present a fuller picture of who Hay was. And they even kind of add all of these. I think that's something that's like always difficult about these kind of true crime documentaries, right? Is like what the visuals are gonna be, because you're, you know, you have your interviews, and then you really have to hope you have. <laughs> you can come up with a lot of archival footage or you have to, um, you know, make up for that with like recreations and stuff. And I think it's great that the show very sparingly relies on recreations. But, you know, in the case of Hey, they don't have access to much because her family isn't participating. Um, I think that they got these diaries from friends of hers and um, they do this whole thing where they illustrate entire kind of sections that they're using from the diaries which sounds i don't want it to sound like exploitative that they're using these diaries they use obviously them like very selectively but sort of mostly to paint the picture of what adnan's and hers relationship was and sort of they break up and and they illustrate um these different scenes from her diary and they also hire you know a voiceover actor to kind of read a lot. and i think it works really well um so I it just thought seems this seems like an invasion of her privacy, though. I can like, how I can much has see been that made about her and yeah. the fact that like she was killed and like she's become this. It's this thing we I don't know. The whole thing kind of makes me feel weird. I can see that. I mean, I do think that this is like, a case. It's not her fault she was killed. Why is she being definitely? And I and I think you know, and her family declines to participate in this documentary, right? And I think um, that's like I don't know. They do have a, a good friend of the family who provides a number of interviews um, and tries to give more context into uh, into 
her family's life as well and they still have oh, like a lot of his close friends who talk something that's interesting also that the friend and then they also speak to i think another interesting interview that they use for this since you know they don't have again access to his family but is the editor-in-chief of a korean newspaper it used to be a daily korean newspaper um i think with national I guess with I guess it was a local I think it I guess it was a local Baltimore area Korean newspaper. There's a huge Korean population. But um at the time, you know, we're talking about the late nineties. There's a lot of crime was, you know, worse, a lot worse in Baltimore than it is today, just still bad. But um a lot of the targets of violent crime in Baltimore at the time were members of the Korean community because they their opportunities for work not speaking a lot of English, you know, they owned a lot of bodegas. They owned a lot of, you know, small grocery businesses and things like that. And that made them very susceptible to armed robberies. And there was a a lot of Korean um, violence against, you know, these Korean store owners and stuff at the time, which made the Korean community even more outraged, you know, by the death of Heyman Lee. Um, and, and that's kind of some other just interesting context that I, you know, we was missing from. So I can see where this kind of thing can seem exploitative. I mean, I think at, at a, in a sense, all of these sort of true crime documentaries are. Um, yeah, but, but this has been like... I. They and and I mean even people who so I think the I will say like just women by are murdered other, all the time. Yes, and I, I mean to say it so like but this is weird. I mean I will say the other thing that this does though is it also examines the like shadow of serial itself and the impact of serial. And I mean well, maybe there'll be another documentary about this documentary, <laughs> right? I mean you know and there was a lot of good impact of serial. I mean serial wound up being downloaded like 180 million times it was massively popular and viral when it came out in 2014 and there were like reddit entire reddit threads blah blah blah, devoted to that and you know a lot of kind of amateur sleuths came up with more evidence including like they talked to this woman in the in the show um who because of serial she's a lawyer and she came up with a lot. She was like, "Look, I think that your uh, the cell phone record stuff in in the case is like. I think that there's a lot going unexamined, even by the serial team here." And she winds up coming up with a lot of crucial points uh, that are explored in the documentary. So it's like you know, it was uh, it was good, obviously for for Adnan's um, if he really didn't commit this crime, which I'm kind of left. From the documentary, I remember when Serial ended, I was really unsure and maybe even leaning in the direction of he probably did do it, but he certainly should not have been convicted based on the evidence presented. Um, but now I'm, I sir, I, I gotta say, I, I lean in the direction of I don't think he did. And the show uncovers a lot of new um, material. But I mean, also the negatives of Serial, you know, the people who were involved, the friends of these um Adnan and Hay, like they were, you know, scrutinized endlessly and they were people were coming up to them in real life and like, you know, it kind of ruined their lives for a little bit there. And they talk about that and how like, you know, one of them even comes to the conclusion, like, I wish I hadn't done this documentary. Like, I wish I wasn't talking to you. But it does uncover some really crucial new evidence. Um, And right before the last episode, the state of Maryland won their appeal um, 
and and Adnan uh, will not get the new trial right at this point right now um, after like a year of of appeals to after the original decision. So it's kind of left in this limbo. Like, you know, just certainly deserves. I think he certainly deserves another trial. Um, but I think if you were at all interested in the original serial, I found this pretty fascinating. So, you know, that was a lot to say about it. But I feel like um, I thought it was really well done. And and Amy Berg, the director, she kind of specializes in this type of documentary. Her other um, her other movies are examining these kinds of cases as well, where there's been an injustice and maybe the you know the justice system hasn't addressed it the way that it should. So I think she's very good at this uh, type of of filmmaking. But um, yeah, I thought it was really interesting. There's cool. so much other stuff on TV right now, but. I yeah. thought that was good. Um, but yeah, let's move Let's move on. Did you watch anything else? Yeah, I watched the premiere of the new season of Barry, which I think I talked okay. about last year. Yeah, um, I, well, I watched the first few episodes and then stopped. Yeah, I thought it was, I mean, I I wasn't like Everyone a, I know likes it. I was just kind of like, meh. I mean, it wasn't like a top five show for me last year. I don't even know if it was a top ten, but... I did think it was really good. Bill Hader and I love Henry Bill Winkler. Hader. Yeah, and I they just, both won the Emmys, you know, for I Best Supporting and Best Actor. <laughs> I mean, that was it's, my thing. it is, but it's about bad acting. Like, it's not, know, you know. It's just like, oh, so many, so many <laughs> But it's so, but it's really bad. interesting where you have this, I mean, the acting is just, you know, this guy doesn't actually want to be famous or anything, Bill Hader's character. He, he's not going to be a successful actor, and he knows that. Um, whereas everyone else in this acting class run by Henry Winkler is under this, like, delusion that they're going to, you know, if they just work ha- hard enough at it, like, they'll be famous, and that's the goal, is to be famous and be, like, working actors. But, you know, Bill Hader is this totally, uh, is this is this serial killer, you know, I mean, is a hitman who's just looking for an emotional outlet, uh, that he doesn't get anywhere else. And he finds that he can like channel that through acting. And that's like kind of the, that's sort of how that's been used, been used as this, as this device, but it does get a little, I think occasionally it's a little bit inside baseball, but the premiere was great. I'm, I'm really looking forward to the season. It's a really funny show, but dark. I mean, it is about another like white male anti-hero and we can only take so much of that um this will check my box on that front um but the the premiere is great so i'm looking forward to the rest of the season uh what about you so i got sick last week and ended up watching three seasons of well not just like in two days but over the past two and a half weeks i've watched three seasons of superstore you pulled a real shit's creek there Yeah, you pulled a real Schitt's Creek in terms of like... (laughs) I did, I did. Yeah. Um, And anyway, it's really delightful. Obviously, I think that because I watched three seasons, but... um, Or like nearly three, I can't remember. But anyway, I've watched a lot. And it's basically just a typical um, workplace sitcom. Um, It's actually created by Justin Spitzer, who was a writer on The Office Mm -hmm. uh, for like seven years um and also weirdly did like wrote some episodes or something of mulaney that that short-lived john mulaney yes <laughs> yes i remember um, yeah and he also he worked on um uh queer as folk mm-hmm. um that long ago show and anyway so superstore it's like got a lot in common with the office it has like a lot of the same kind of 
dynamics, right? And it's it takes place in this like big box store. It's kind of like a cross between a Walmart and a Target in St. Mm-hmm. Louis, Missouri. And it um, has like all of these, you know, sort of standard characters, like the assistant manager, the Dwight character is this woman named Dina, which is actually kind of awesome. It, it upends a lot of things. And Dina's not nearly as like, she's awful, but she's not, she's kind of funny the same way Dwight is. Mm-hmm. Um, the manager is this guy named Glenn and he's just like, talks with this ludicrous voice and he um, is just like deeply kind and caring, but also like super Christian and like um, kind of conservative, but like it's actually open mind, tries to be open-minded. Um, like really tries to be about like homosexuality and um, uh, well, mostly that is what I can think of. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but anyway, it's really nice. There, are, it's also like way more pro labor than The Office. There's yeah. this one Office episode I remember, um, and I rewatched it. Like I saw it like a few years ago, and I was blown away. Where Jan, who's like the the regional i don't even know what man yeah she's like yeah she's like above michael she's like a corporate figure from from dunderland and she comes in and like they had all the guys in the warehouse had been talking about like how mistreated they are and like oh yeah and they're like we should join a union and jan comes in and like michael had been part of that and like telling him you know yeah yeah you should do that because he just wants to be one of the guys and Jan comes in and she's basically like, she shuts it down and she, it's union busting. Like she, mm-hmm. she basically, she violates the National Labor Relations Act and she like, <laughs> she just goes in and you as the viewer are clearly meant to be thinking like, ah, oh, Michael's so incompetent. And she comes in and she's just like a boss lady, like businesswoman, like comes in and like knows how to shut this union talk down. Like that is illegal. Like, and she, and it's like kind of stunning. And, um, this show superstore one of the last episodes of the first season they decide that they're going to form a union and like and they it also like is very honest about like how impossible that would be at one mm-hmm. of these stores like it is so easy for them if you they, they can fire you and it's so easy for them to just like find other workers. yeah replace you with someone else who's waiting for that job yeah, yeah. so like they try to do a boycott and they just bring in other workers so like and it, these corporations can get away with like those union busting tactics so mm-hmm. like anyway but, like, they, they, it's very honest about it. And they, they have, like, really frank conversations about, like, minimum wage. Like, that these people are working on minimum wage and they, like, they can't afford it. Money. No matter how much you make, it never seems like enough. But with a little planning, you'll see that a budget is like a raise you give yourself. Let's look at a typical budget for a Cloud9 employee. We'll call her Penny Wise. Oh, she's a killer clown that lives in the sewer? What? No. Wait, I don't think so. I don't see any expense for food. I mean, personally, I I like food. Anybody else a food person? Wow, almost all of you. Um, Well, there's $100 under other. Uh, That's probably for food. So we're supposed to live on under $4 a day for food? Just don't go eating lobster. Or get one lobster and just eat a little bit at a time over the course of several weeks. That's what I do. There's no line for childcare or going to the doctor. Probably because they're just planning on us not getting sick, right? I eat two-week-old unrefrigerated lobster. I'm going to get sick. Part of it that kind of bothers me is that um, it doesn't seem to present, and maybe like I can forgive this just because it's, you know, 
it's it, it would get too serious if you're talking about how actually like what what poverty and destitution looks like. It wouldn't be a fun little show about a workplace, right? You know, but like they, you know, they'll say like there's this one episode where they, there's a, a tornado comes and they're out of work for two months and they make a joke about hmm. like oh yeah when we just weren't getting paid for two months because like the the manager's like oh I hope you enjoyed your vacation they're like um we didn't get paid for two months and so it was like and the store was like the store was destroyed. closed and being rebuilt yeah and, yeah okay and like it's a funny joke and you're supposed to be like yeah they weren't but but also like you're not seeing any effects of that which is like if you are making a minimum wage salary. And, like, in Missouri, it's only, like, a dollar above the federal minimum. Mm-hmm. Then you would not have had enough savings. To last to year, like yeah, that, that those time. Those two months. And, like, they, sure. they talk about, like, oh, and, like, there's this one episode where Dina is just, like, she's a stickler for the rules. And this one character, he, for, he like, forgets to clock in for the first two hours. And she refuses to let him, like, get those two hours. I'm like, that's a huge fucking deal. Like, he, that's, a, that's money. And, anyway, so there's, like, things like that where it's, like, it's almost like it's naive, yeah. But it's, but it's but but I understand like they're not there's a reason they can't wade into it too deeply, but you don't actually see consequences of poverty. You just see them talk about poverty, mm-hmm. but in a very oblique way. They never say poverty wages. But like Right, like we're yeah, 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 yeah. You know. And you know, so that's like kind of a thing and then um hmm. It also paints like a really, but this this is this makes total sense narratively. It pa- paints like a really rosy picture of like the actual office environment, like where these people work. Which like if you're working at like a re- in a retail environment, there's a ton of turnover, and the managers are actually super like middle management is one of the most stressful places to be in a retail environment, and like they they wouldn't be creating this nice sort of like community of people, but um, but it works and that's fine, and I can forgive that a little bit more. Um, also, they sometimes have, like, weird... They'll have, like, conversations about abortion. And, like, hmm. it's not as good as, like, you know, when we watched Shrill, she just has an abortion. Mm-hmm. Or in um, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, Paula just has an abortion, and we get really excited when that happens. Mm-hmm. In this, like, they're, they they mention abortion, and it's supposed to be, like, a funny, like, isn't this a divisive issue? And it's not. So that's kind of something I don't appreciate, but... I... So, I mean, I guess my thing with this is, like, I've never really been into workplace comedy structured shows. I never got into The Office. Yeah, I you have to like this sort really of, really like, like, Parks and Rec. You know, like, I... Yeah, this isn't maybe for you. You have to really like that sort of just, like... I mean, that's what I loved about Community was that it was mm-hmm. making fun of that, creating this, like, like centralized universe right there's like very insular world person yes and community was doing that in a really meta way yeah and you have to like appreciate that because that's what it's doing here and that's what a lot of people like and that's why they watch shows like parks and rec and the office yeah definitely the office i even feel like i don't know we were talking about this a little i feel like the office doesn't hold up the way parks and rec will yeah i feel like my read on the office is that People have kind of, people still enjoy it, but that it has not, even in such a short amount of time, I mean, I guess it's not that short. I feel like The Office debuted in like 2004, 2005, but that it's sort of depreciated a lot in that amount of time. And I guess I'm not exactly sure why that is, other than maybe I think the reason that we look back at a lot of 
Um, you know, maybe the, the style of the office has been done kind of to death now in, you know, which it sort of originated, you know, it and like arrest development of like sort of the, you know, like it was part of that first wave of like single camera kind of comedies, um, rather than like the audience, you know, multicams, um, and like, you know, I just, I'm not sure if it, like it seems dated, like we've, comedies yeah, are a lot edgier like these you, days you but then up, you have stuff like this yeah. like superstore which isn't you know it's it's in that mold so people there's certainly still an appetite for it but yeah um, i think it's more like the mindset of like you brought up arrested development and that mm-hmm. show doesn't age well it has like a lot of really homophobic and racist jokes yeah. in it and it's um, yeah but it's also so clearly a product of its time i mean like mm-hmm. you have entire season and a half centered around the Iraq war. And Mm -hmm. so like, it's very clearly (laughs) exists in that time and space. And I think the office, its whole conceit was this sort of like timeless commentary on um, what it's like like, to be just like a white collar. Yeah. Yeah, White collar places. And like, what was so brilliant about like its first two seasons was it was very like, you know, it was based on the British version, which always the British versions always have sense to like cut it after a couple years yeah and you never liked david brent like uh what's his face's character um ricky gervais uh, ricky gervais mm-hmm. yeah because well one ricky gervais is just not nearly as likable as uh his Steve uh Carell. Steve yeah definitely but um but you, but you really hate his character and you he's a lot more like, cringy in the british version i mean oh, even yeah. more than well, michael scott right and a michael like, scott is but like in the first two seasons because it's definitely a commentary on this idea that these white men can just fail upwards and not even fail upwards that if they're competent like you 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 know in the office the american version that the reason michael was promoted to uh manager regional manager was because he was a good salesman and mm-hmm. you see it later like oh he was a good salesman but it was a commentary on the fact that like like, just because you were good at this one aspect doesn't mean you get to be a manager and get mm-hmm. to be a supervisor of people. But we just assume we give white men these leadership roles just because we assume the competency there. Right. And it was like the this commentary on that. And you were supposed to be cringy. And like, that was brilliant. But Whereas then, Jan think, had to kind of come in and be like a hard ass about I mean, like, you know, we're saying like, her, yeah, obviously yeah. Well, her union that, busting was bad. But, you know, I no, feel no, like... No, but I guess the point I was making was that like Michael... Steve Carell is so likable and the show mm-hmm. lasted so long yeah. that they that they couldn't keep doing that so they had to give depth to that character mm-hmm. which is always like really annoying to me because it's just like he was a terrible person. Yeah. He's deeply selfish. Right. Just because but you're he was really supposed to like him. Actor yeah. That, you know. And I think you're really and you're supposed to like Michael in, in the American you version, are, right? He's awful. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't yeah. think you're supposed to like him. You're supposed to like him that in the sense that he's funny. Yeah. But you're you're not supposed to like him like him as a character, as yeah. a person until yeah. later because the first two seasons he's supposed to just be funny, but then mm-hmm. like you run out of stuff to do with that and you have to yeah. impart some depth. Right. And Steve Carell was good at that. And I feel like that's part of why it doesn't hold up because like you're watching it and you're just like, this is unbearable. Like we, we now can put a name to this kind of situation. Mm-hmm. this like white male, um, incompetent leadership. Yes. And, you know? And, yeah, like, we, absolutely. And we're just like, we're not, we're, we're done with it. Well, with like. On Superstore, who's in charge? Glenn, the manager. Yeah. But yeah, he, yeah. clearly he does work hard and he's not a bad manager. You're never meant to think that he's a, he's. He's incompetent in some ways and that he cares too much and stuff, but you're never meant to think like he doesn't belong there. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. um, and Dina too, like you're, you, the whole, the structure of it makes sense. So yeah. 
Yeah. Um, and I think, and the same with Parks and Rec, right? Like Leslie Nope was a perfect person to be heading that 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 department. <laughs> yes, exactly. I can't, and it's funny. I can't put. I feel like, especially Parks and Rec is built to be something. I think my, I don't know my I, my comedy sort of uh, like threshold has changed a lot. I feel like over the last few years and not that I can't like something that's like a little bit just like sillier I don't know I can't I can't really put my finger on what what about workplace comedies have like never quite gelled yeah I guess yeah I guess that's true you don't really watch them I know I know I don't know I just kind of and now I like a little bit more you know real pathos with my with my comedies as yeah, well. Yeah, you do like that shit. <laughs> I know. Well, speaking of which, <laughs> <laughs> uh, what we were what we were gonna talk about. Oh, but real quick. Oh yeah. Something I didn't mention about yeah, the sure. store. Yeah. Is that at the center of it is this like a very will they won't they relationship like similar to Pam and Jim and it's yeah. um, Amy played by America Ferrera and Jonah played by Ben Feldman and Ben Feldman. You watched Mad Men. Yes. Yeah, Ben Feldman is the um, uh, Morris Ginsburg or whatever. He's Ginsburg, the, yes. Okay. Yeah, Michael Ginsburg. Yeah. Who, um, who like, cuts off his nipple. Anyway, yeah. that's the same actor, so. <laughs> I'm glad he's out here doing some stuff. He's great, actually, and he's really funny. Like, he I, is I really funny, like this and actor. I never saw him anywhere after Mad Men. Yeah. Same, no, with, same with America Ferreira. I'm glad that she's... Um, you know, after, after Ugly Betty ended, um, which I kind of fell off in the last couple of years, but, um, I think that she's really good too. And I yeah, hadn't so really they're seen good, her they're for good, a while. Yeah, so they're good, they're good like leads. Um, yeah. So anyway, but that's, that's there. If you also like a little bit of, of, um, frustrating romance. In yeah, a little bit of a will they or won't they. If you just want all the typical things, it's there. It's so. all there. It's a whole, it's the whole 30 minute comedy package. Yeah. Yes. And it's but on yes. TBS? Uh, no, it's you've on, been watching um, it on NBC. Oh, it's on NBC. Okay, and you've been watching it on Hulu. I've been watching it on Hulu. Okay, you know, like a champ. So. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Um, I mean, so you know, really, kind of talking about <laughs> my how I like comedies to just have a little bit more of an edge, I guess these days. Um, you know, we were going to talk a little bit about Veep, um, which has only yes. had one episode we as we episode, speak it was so good yeah it was, it was great so I, I thought you know so veep didn't air a season in 2018 because of julia louis dreyfus um going into treatment for breast cancer uh and thank god we she is fine uh now apparently um and uh so they were delayed on on this new season um which i think just starting out of the gate is as good as ever. <laughs> I mean, Veep is, this is the seventh season of Veep and Julia Louis-Dreyfus has won six Emmys for it. Um, so yeah, make that calculation. And, you know, usually I think at the Emmys I get, we all get to get, a, we start getting a little frustrated where it's like, step aside, you know? But I, Julia Louis-Dreyfus can keep winning awards for this all day and I don't, I don't really care. Um, that's fine because she's just incredible i think this is a premise that i would never have seen working for this long i don't know about you i feel like yeah i remember wondering about it after the uh uh the election i was just like am i going to be able to do this because like 
it is so it's not politics aren't funny right now mm-hmm. yeah I, it it did work it like you know it, i thought so too i mean i think what i've been sort of hearing about veep is that a lot of people like needed to stop watching it after the uh, 2016 election because they just like couldn't you know handle any more like wh- horrifying political you know what we already have the news but um i disagree and i, do too. Well, and so, you know, I love it more than ever that, yeah what's funny is that i felt that way and a lot of people did too about house of cards mm-hmm. and this i feel like is a totally different type of cynicism like after yeah. the election we all knew that and what the Trump administration has made very clear is that a lot of people are in it for themselves and for personal benefit. And like, mm-hmm. that's obviously happening in the current administration to an unprecedented degree. Like there is actual legit corruption, but like, mm-hmm. but like the, the sort of selfishness of politicians was something Americans always knew. Americans hate politics, even though they live and breathe it. But Americans like, like are deeply mistrustful of government and politicians. They're like, and Congress has always been one of the most like, least liked classes of profession you know yeah so like we've already thought this and now this is just funny i think what the reason house of cards was like infinitely more cynical and unbearable to watch is because it was like so besides the point it it portrayed them as these like conniving power hungry murderers which like yes of course people in power right now are like power hungry but like that is not their motivating force. And that's also not the motivating force of American politics. And I think Veep is actually incredibly accurate about it, but it's funny. And it's like a really, it's not actually that cynical. I think it's just honest and being funny about like the actual state of. I think it's more of a satire than house of cards ever managed I don't know that satire was really the goal. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, it was just an overblown. I mean, they're just like just going for maximum drama. Political drama that was like bonkers. Right, they're going for maximum drama. Deeply cynical. But and and I I think that Veep is is I think that Veep is also deeply cynical, but its primary goal is satire. I think. Yeah, and I think it's cynical in its like in its style. Yeah, but I don't think at the heart of it there's like. And I like mean, I kind of distrust dis- of people or hatred of people. You know what I mean? I think there's a lot. I don't know. I think there's a lot of contempt. I think that especially the Selena Meyer political machine has a lot of contempt for the American public. Well, they do in the <laughs> yeah. show. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. The show itself. The show. Is about. Yeah, sure. The show itself does not. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I I like think you're meant that, to be laughing at them. Yes. You're not like totally. You know. Totally. Yeah, you are, and and I mean, I I think that like to me, it was almost comforting to see this reflected back at me. I mean, I used to work in political advertising for a few years, and I sort of saw a little bit, certainly about how the the messaging sausage gets made, you know, Ew. and and it's it is it is deeply. <laughs> It it will it will definitely turn you into a hardened cynic in like a flash. Um, right. But this is also kind of how I always assumed that all of this shit works: is you walk in front of the cameras and you're all smiles and like Selena, and then you walk off and you're like, "Get me the fuck out of here." And so 
you know, I feel like if anything, maybe Veep has contributed to my like conviction to expect more from my politicians because I, I, yeah, I mean, I like you said, I, I just kind of assume yeah. they're all a bunch of lying idiots at this point. And if someone can like rise above that in my eyes, I'm very impressed. Um, yeah. So I don't know. I mean, on the show itself, you know, I think the the first like what I the I would love to your thoughts on the the main one of the main aspects of the show uh one of the main plot points of the premiere is uh that selena you know we know that selena has made the terrible decision to run for for president (laughs) again uh despite the objections of basically everyone in her life around her that would be benefit like benefit (laughs) enormously from her being president yeah like don't do it (laughs) don't do it it's a terrible idea um, I wonder if, you know, it's interesting. I kind of wonder if there was this, like, you know, when Roger Stone or whatever is like, Trump, you should run for president. I wonder if there was anyone that was like, absolutely not. You know, I mean, I'm sure there, there were plenty of like mainstream Republicans who were like, you know, not wanting him to do it. But anyone in his life that was like, no, but I kind of doubt it. Um, no, because they're all lunatics themselves. Yeah, they're all insane. I mean, so are Selena Meyer's staff, but like... You know, they, so, so Selena has decided to run for president. She's trying to announce her run for president and keeps being uh, interrupted by news about various mass shootings, um, which is awful. <laughs> it's so awful. It's so awful, but it's also just, I mean, again, it's satire at like just, I mean, you're literally, I was like physically bristling. You know, I have, like, my yeah. head in my hands, like, oh, my God. But, like, this is how it is. I mean, I honestly think, like, this is how a lot of politicians, you know, like, oh, God, I can't say the thoughts and prayers. What can I say? You know, just, like, right. mindfulness and meditation. That's hilarious. When she's, like, Amazing. I will. And they're, like, don't just offer us your thoughts and prayers because I will offer you our, my mindfulness and meditation <laughs> like oh my god and then oh the part where she's like uh someone mentions another one she's like white guy or muslim you know and they're like which is better for me and they're like, <laughs> they're like white, white guy, guy. <laughs> yeah like i mean i it, it's like i just this is and then like her absolutely refusal to to do anything ab- ab- about it you know she won't do anything about it. like selena only really does things that benefit her personally oh yeah no she's like no principles. <laughs> no principles. Can't even come up with the reason why she's running for president. Okay, but that polling was polling everyone on her staff. <laughs> why she, they would be president? When she's with Gary and she um, is like articulating, just like off the cuff, stream of conscious, why she wants to be president, and she's basically just saying it's my turn. And when she, her breath at the end, when she says she wants a war, it's <laughs> the most perfect perfect julia louis dreyfus right she like nails it just that she's like she's she's just rising up so much and she's losing her breath and just gets to the final point which is that she wants a war i just laughed so hard you know what i would like to tell people but obviously i can't not say it here i should be president yep. because it is my goddamn turn <laughs> i was the game changer yep. I took a dump on the glass ceiling mm. and I shaved my muff in the sink of the old boys club. Muff. But for three years, mm. Hughes kept me chained to a radiator mm. in some basement in Cleveland. Mm. So as far as I'm concerned, America owes me an eight year stay in yes. the White House. And this time I want a war. Yes. 
Do you want me to read that back? No, we can't use any of that. Oh. I mean, it sounds like I'm shouting from a balcony in Munich. Like a Vita. I mean, it's so good. And like, I I think that most, you know, she she just wants, she just wants it because she's waited long enough. She thinks like, I'm, no one else is, you know, she's like, I'm the one who got here first. You know, like I was the first female vice president. Um, first female president. And first female president, you know, and like, and she kind of like, is like, and she this has, like, is no credit for it. No it's credit. Her vanity. Yeah, which is, of course, it should be. Um, I mean, I'm, and then of course we have Jonah also running for president. I am Jonah. Oh my god. Jonah has has devolved completely over the course of the seasons into this. What if you ran into the actor who played Jonah? I don't even think I. I. I it's like, like I you know just, it's an actor, but I would just be like, oh god. Yeah, like do okay. So I'm very excited because one review I read of the show is that <laughs> there's going to be like an inverse Me Too plotline with Jonah, where you have women starting hashtags to to clarify that they have never been involved with him. So it's like hashtag not me, <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> which that's I, amazing. which is amazing. I'm very excited for that. But I mean, you know, Jonah is like right is like kind of our. I think kind of our embodiment of, of the Trump character where like he has figured out that there does not have to be any screen, any like between his public persona right. and his private persona. He can just go up on a stage, say whatever he wants, marry his half sister, ha- stepsister. His stepsister. Yeah, his stepsister. Um, He's and... like, whatever's the kind that doesn't get you like three heads. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and both face no repercussions whatsoever. Um, I'm curious to see if Selena is going to just like devolve into that as well over the course of the campaign. Yeah, I don't know. Oh, it's so good. I'm I'm so glad it's back. I've missed it. Uh, I'm also excited. You made a really nice point here with with the Amy Dan relationship, which oh, I don't yeah. which the show has always very deftly kind of I think there, while there's always been some level of tension there, I wouldn't say that this has ever been a will there, won't they thing. No, definitely no, Dan not. Dan is awful. Dan is, and your point that like the show has never and been Amy's like, don't you want them to end up together? It's like, no, <laughs> these two people should absolutely not end up together. And she's pregnant with, you know, with Dan's baby. She's delaying the abortion. Clearly she's going to have this baby. Um, can like the idea of these two raising a child is like itself some form of abuse, you know? Um, (laughs) him saying he's going to Venmo her for half the abortion and but like make it public, make it public. So everyone knows he's a gentleman. I'm like, that is fucking hilarious. Like that is, that's so good. So anyway, I am thrilled. I think we should revisit Veep certainly after the uh, finale. Definitely will yes, circle back because sure. um, I I'm like really curious to see where it goes because like is you know, Selena gonna wind up in like, jail for some reason like yeah and with like the Democratic primary happening while this is ha- I I just think it'll be kind of cathartic in some way. exactly it's like exactly that's funny I mean I feel like we feel like the opposite of most people's <laughs> reactions on this but I'm glad we're on the same wavelength there because yeah to me it's like I, it's I just more relevant than ever yeah. Yeah, it's more relevant than it could ever possibly be in a non-political cycle, I think. so. Yeah, for some reason, like, I have to look at this stuff all day, every day, and it's nice to watch it and laugh at it, because this is not the real one. This is the fantasy one. Mm-hmm. 
So. Definitely. Exactly. Uh, okay. What we're watching and not watching. Oh, um, boy. There's, ooh, so, boy. Much. There's boy. so much. Ooh, <laughs> That's my... That was cool. ...sound when I think about how overwhelmed I am by the Yikes. amount... I'm, like, pulling out my, my uh, Your collar? t-shirt collar. Like, <laughs> what are we gonna do? Um, um, Killing Eve is back! Killing Eve is back this week. Very excited about that. Um, I... You know, I think... Were we both... The end of last season, I forget. Were we like, I mean, I feel like both of us were also like, this could have been self-contained. Like the first season, like it could have just oh, been. Oh, did we talk about that? I don't know. I don't remember either. I feel like we maybe both. I think it was just that like we just didn't know what could possibly happen next. Exactly. I, I you know, I don't know that it's like painted itself into a corner. So Phoebe Waller-Bridge, not on the show this season. She's off. She's off making the new season of Fleabag, which we also have to look forward oh, to. Oh, that's another one. Yeah. Jeez. At least that's like well, that's a show you can like watch in like an afternoon yeah. and it's over. So Phoebe Waller Bridge went back to Fleabag. She's not the voice of these characters this season, um, but I maintain high hopes that the just the bite is not reduced. At all in this season. I I'm don't see. I don't see, see how it, it could be. Yeah. I don't know. It's like the the characters are all there, and it's such a weird show. You mm-hmm. know, it's so strange. So yeah, and there's a really established voice for. I mean, I I didn't think we were afraid afraid of the same thing with Veep. You know, Armando Iannucci left after the the fifth season. Yeah. And it's like, is this gonna be less biting than it was before? And like, I think the you know the answer was no because these characters voices are so firmly established already i i feel like right season and also one like of the Killing people Eve. that were are doing it now liked the show and they liked it for those reasons yeah. they want to imitate that yeah know? so i i maintain we'll i'm very excited for us to to see that premiere i think it's on sometime this week um the 7th april 7th on oh is that ABC oh tomorrow ABC. okay cool oh so that's tomorrow yeah that is tomorrow Yikes. baby um, did the t-shirt collar pull again. again. <laughs> um, I would love also, to discuss Twilight Zone. Wait, what Twilight Zone? Saying? Well, I also I kind of meant to watch Twilight Zone this week and I didn't get around I did to too. it. Um, Got to get that CBS All Access, which is very annoying. Um, oh, God, I did that for um, Star Trek last year. Do you? I still might even still have, have it. it. I just forgot to cancel it, yeah. which really makes me mad. If I did that to myself and CBS did that to me. I was going to maybe wait for a few weeks and then do a, a free a free thing of it. Um I am excited I'm excited. I've heard mixed things about it honestly. Same. But that's the way the original Twilight Zone was. True. So I also would love to discuss Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. I think we just need to pour one out really quick. Uh Oh yeah, last episode. Crazy Ex-Girlfriend aired its last episode on on the 5th, uh, the night before we recorded this. So I need to catch up on like seven or eight episodes of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. I love it so much. I am looking forward to doing that. And I really want to talk about the end because I'm very, very curious as to where... I'll commit to watching the end with you. Okay. So you'll come in at least for that last episode. Yeah. I can't imagine there wouldn't be anything that, like, would not be able to be picked up on. I do want to watch the intermissions. I mean, the the, uh, inner, you know, the other episodes because um, I just love the song so much. So, but, so we'll hopefully be able to discuss that as well. At least talk about the finale. 
Um, anything we're not watching? Um, uh, yeah, there was something that I saw and I was like, oh, not watching that. What was it? <laughs> it was... Something I feel like most things we're not watching right now because there's so much. Yeah, I mean most things I'm like not watching, but on... there's one where I was just like not watching. Um, I can't remember. I feel like um, oh well, you know one that I'm not watching. <sighs> Again, it's just there's so much out there. Season two of Sabrina is on the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. Actually, Wait, is it on? It is on. Yeah, Jeez. I can't fit that in. I didn't, as you, as we may remember, I, I didn't love the first. I know. I'm I didn't also think it surprised. was that great because I also like very. You watched and you watched more Kieran than me. Shipka's not a good actress. Yeah, yeah, you did, and you watched you watched more than I did, and I kind of just couldn't do it. And uh, well, the end is really good. The last episode is really great. That one's gonna fly me by. Not watching *Chilling yeah. Adventures of Sabrina*. It's just a victim of. I feel like every day I'm getting emails from Netflix. It's like X is now on Netflix. I'm like, what the hell is that? I'd yeah. be like, what are you guys doing here? I can't just throw in everything at the wall. See what sticks is <laughs> the yeah, Netflix yeah. approach to te- television programming. Um, all right. So that's that's us in a nutshell, I think, for the week. Yeah. Yeah. Um, cool. All oh, right. and you know what I also think I might want to watch is the, the, the Bob Fosse show. Fosse Verdon. Yeah. With Michelle Williams and, and uh, Sam Rockwell. And known fake racist, possibly real. Who knows? <laughs> well, he's because he's, he's in like another new movie where he's like, again, like a horrible racist, like in Three Billboards. I know he plays. Yeah, he plays racist well. I just <laughs> like Sam Rockwell. <laughs> um, I love Sam Rockwell, though. I am also interested in this, even though I mean, I know next to nothing about um, Bob Fosse or. Glenn Verdon. No, so. but it would, I mostly just am interested because I want to see Sam Rockwell dance because yeah. he's a very good dancer. And and Michelle Williams is apparently fantastic in this. So. Oh, good. Yeah. Um, so that is another one on the horizon, which I'm just, for some reason, I'm automatically thinking of as a Ryan Murphy production, which. Same. I thought that too. <laughs> and then I had to like look it's it not. up. I was like, it's not. It's not. It just seems like it just something seems, you should do. Yep. It just seems exactly up that Ryan Murphy alley. It's also on FX. So I think that might be part of it. Exactly. And Ryan Murphy has since left FX for, for Netflix. So, right. um, you know, it's funny because I was also reading about the new book that came out this week. That's like the dish of like, it's about all of the behind the scenes stuff on the view for the last god knows however long the view has been on and i was just like oh, i want i want i was like this looks great i want <laughs> i want the the ryan murphy feud version of the view. episode of the view which you know would be so good he would just have elizabeth hasselback play elizabeth hasselback and then oh i was see i was thinking you'd get sarah he's because he loves his sarah paulson so you get oh, you get sarah paulson yeah. in there oh that's better this is some armchair cat we're just throwing you free ideas ryan murphy over here um like call us yeah We'll do lunch. Email boobtubecast at gmail.com. <laughs> we check it once every four months. Yeah. We'll look at it at the end of the year. Ryan Murphy will have sent us three emails. <laughs> Can you imagine if someone like is out there listening to this and they're like, we've got a great option for you in Hollywood. And, yeah. Like, we just, just didn't check our freaking email. No. No. Uh, yeah, definitely. That's that what we get paid so for. so typical. I know. You know that book has already been. I mean, the book was probably optioned before it even came out. So um (laughs) all right all right so uh that's it for us all right gotta go make another cup of coffee 
Yeah, me too. Yeah. All right. Woo! All right. So we will catch you guys later. Bye. Bye. Good night.